All right, good evening. Good to see you guys here this evening. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 4, and that's where we're going to spend our time tonight, in the first five verses of 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I wish I had a more cheery sermon for you tonight, but these verses are not something that uh, will cheer you up. I think that as I look at these verses, and I know you, you come here tonight and this is what you want to hear at the start, but we look at these, ver- these verses and we see a heartbreaking reality in the church. This is one of the saddest things that we face in the church, what this passage talks about tonight. And I would even say that this is the hardest part of being a pastor and seeing what happens in these verses. Uh, I wish somebody had warned me about this before I became a pastor. This is the hardest part, and this is the heartbreaking reality in the church. And what this tells us, it, what shows us is when we see people walk away from the faith. And I'll say walking away from the faith, walking away from Christ, walking away from truth, walking away from the church. And if you've been a Christian long enough, you've seen this happen. In your own circle, in your own life, in your own church, you've seen people walk away. So no letter written to the church would be complete without a description or a definition or an explanation of why this takes place. So we want to look at that, and and I I know it's going to be hard tonight, but I I want us to look at when people walk away from the faith. And I think we need a good explanation, a good understanding of this. So let's stand together, and we'll read these first five verses. Here's how it happens, here's why it happens, and here's even how we can correct it from happening. So uh, starting there in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 5. It says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart, and that word depart, we'll talk about it, is to walk away. Some shall depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. I think this is one of the most important passages in First Timothy that we've looked at. And I want to spend our time trying to understand when people walk away from the faith. Let's pray together. Father, as I've said, this is a heartbreaking passage. And as I studied it this week, I was reminded of, of many that I've seen walk away. Um, and I'm even guarded that this would not be me in the future. And I think that's where we all need to be here tonight, that this will remind us of some people. People will come into our minds and we'll think, yeah, they've walked away. Here's how and here's why it happened. But I think there's also a warning for everybody in here tonight to not let this happen to us. To guard from this. To help our church guard from this happening. This is here as a warning to us. So God, help us to take it that way. Help us to understand it. This is a very important topic for the church. That many churches have tried to deal with and try to understand and wrap their mind around and in, in all kinds of different ways, but God, here's the biblical way to deal with it. So help us to see that, help us to understand it, and help us to apply it. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. There's a, a, a popular trend that's taking place in the church, and I want not really even the church, but it, it's a popular trend that's taking place in our country today. And you may not see it, you may not know about it, but it, it's, a, it's, it's, not, it, it's a troubling thing that I see, and I hope it doesn't happen in, in our area, but we're seeing it in a, in a nationwide scale. And what we're seeing is this trend of deconstructing faith. That's the term that they're using, a deconstruction of 
faith. And what this is, and, and, and it, let me describe it, is when Christians, and I'll, I'll use Christians with a quotation mark, because I, you know, in quotations, because I, I don't, I don't, I'm, they're not truly Christians. But they call themselves Christians. They affirm Christian doctrine and they say they understand Christianity and even follow Christ. They would say that they do those things. And then they come out, this is where the deconstruction takes place, they come out as no longer Christian. No longer affirming the, the truth, no longer following Christ, no longer going to church, and, and they make it official. Sometimes you'll see celebrities do this, and, and me and the kids were talking about it just the other day. They love two guys named Rhett and Link that have something on YouTube. These guys were prominent Christians, and they, they stood firm on some Christian truth and following Christ, and then they, they make this drastic post that they say, we no longer believe in the Christian faith. This happened to a, a singer in the group of Hillsong that I would not recommend, but he came out and he said, Christianity is not for me anymore. A Christian rapper named Lecrae pretty much did the same thing, that he no longer wanted to be a part of the established church. So these celebrities are doing it left and right. And, and even some of your prominent uh, uh, Christian leaders, uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. was uh, come out even this week that I, I no longer believe in the church. A man named Josh Harris who wrote a popular book about dating and, and uh, sex earlier in, in, in the 2000s divorced his wife. Saul was in an adulterous relationship and came out and said, I no longer follow the Christian faith. A pastor named Dave Gass, after 20 years as a pastor, a very prominent man, came out with a post that said, I'm walking away from the faith. It's happening all around us. It's happening everywhere. And social media is making it so popular that it's even doing a hashtag, deconstructing the faith. And these big name people are causing the lesser known people, even people in our circles, to do the same thing. If they can walk away, then I can walk away. And we're seeing it. If you've been in the church at any time, you'll see people that do this. That they've professed to know Christ, they've given some evidence of being a follower, and then they sometimes it happens gradually, just a little bit at a time. They'll start to gradually drift away until they're completely gone. And sometimes it happens uh, dramatically or drastically that they're here one day and then they're, they're, they're gone the next. It's like they're not a believer anymore. And the longer you're in the church, the more you're going to see this. And again, there's people that are going to pop into your head as we do this. Maybe even people in your own family, people that's been in our church, or even your, your children or your parents that you've seen do this. Walk away from the faith. The Bible calls it apostasy. And the Bible would say that it's extremely serious. And we need to take it as such. It's important for us to deal with this. What happens when people walk away from the faith or apostatize? So Paul's going to tell us here in, in these verses, he's going to hit really a, a major topic right here. And he's going to say, expect this. It happened in Ephesus in this church. Timothy, you're a pastor. Expect it. It's happened throughout church history. It's happened all around us. And get this, it will happen in the future. You'll see more of it. And the Bible even says there's going to be a great walking away or falling away in the end times. So the, the, the further we go, the more we're going to see this. No matter where you go, you're going to find this happening. There's no way around it. So Paul teaches us in these verses, he gives us a biblical description of it. He gives us a glimpse of what it is, how it happens, why it happens, and he's even going to tell us how to deal with it. I love, I was telling Brandon earlier today, I love that everything that we need, and, and I, I knew that, but as I'm studying First Timothy, I'm seeing everything that we need when it comes to the church 
is right here in this letter. God's given it to us. He's not left anything up for us to, to figure out on our own. Here's what happens when people walk away from the faith. And Paul lays it out. I mean, he doesn't worry about their feelings. He says this is a real issue in the church and it must be dealt with. So here's what to do. Here's when people walk away from the faith. I'm going to give you three points as we work through these five verses. When people walk away. Or when people apostatize. Walking away is easier to understand. That, that word apostasy, it's, it's a word the Bible uses, but I, I want to talk about when people walk away from the church. Number one, I want to show you the certainty of it. It's going to happen. He says here in verse 1, as we look down at it, he says, Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly. And, and this is a, a phrase that's, that when it's used, it, it's almost marking it out as something very important. This is a, a big deal. It's like when Jesus says, verily, verily, or truly, truly. It, it's, it's not that it's any truer than anything else, because everything in the Bible is true. But what he's saying here is, highlight this, see this, pay attention to this. So when he says, the Spirit is saying, he's saying, get this. All eyes here. This is a big deal. Pay attention. Don't miss this. It's like when Jesus said in Revelation 2 and 3, the Spirit speaks to the church. Here's something important. The Spirit is speaking. God is speaking. And He says, and the Spirit says expressly. The Spirit says explicitly. The Spirit says directly. The Spirit says very clear. There's no missing this. It's as clear as it can be. The Spirit is speaking. And he says that in the latter times, I'm going to stop there. Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, he tells us when this is going to happen. When is the latter times? And you're going to hear all kinds of teaching on this. It's going to say the latter times happened in, in the 1940s when, when Israel was established as a nation again. Or Pentecostals will say it was like 1908 when the, when the third wave of Pentecostal gifts was given. I say the latter times was when Christ came the, the first time. We've been in the latter times, or the end times. We've been going in the, in the latter days since Jesus ascended. So he's saying here that no matter where you are now in church history, this is going to take place. It wasn't just back then. It's not just going to be in the future. It is right now. These things are going to happen now. It's now. This shows that it's a guarantee. This is going to happen. We're all going to have to deal with this. Don't be surprised by it. Don't be shocked. Don't be caught off guard. Don't be, I didn't see this coming. He's warning us, this will happen in your lifetime. At your church. And I'll say it over and over in this sermon tonight. Don't let it be you. So what will happen? Here's the key term. The Spirit speaks expressly, very clearly on this. Then in the latter times, in your day... Some shall depart from the faith. There's, there's the phrase. There's the big statement. There will be some who walk away. Timothy expected in your church. There will be some in your church who walk away. West End expected. There will be some in your church that walk away. The term there, depart from the faith, would be, well, this is the word we get, uh, uh, apostasy from uh, epistemi is, is the word in the, in the Greek and it means 
to walk away. It means, it's, it's a geographic word. It, it means to, to, you were standing here and now you're going to remove yourself and stand somewhere else. That's what the word means. It's to remove yourself. It's to, to move. It's to, to change places. I, again, I was here and now I'm here. I was facing this way and now I'm facing this way. I've moved. I've changed positions. I'm going in the opposite direction. I have apostatized, revolted, rebelled. I've defected. I've turned from. That's what the word depart means. And you, you all know people who were here one day and they're gone the next. That's what the word means. And what have they departed from? What have they apostatized from? The faith. You say, well, what, what's the faith? I think we have to look back at verse 16. What I preached last Sunday night. He gave us the faith. He gave us what we believe. He said, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And he gave us six things there that everybody believes. And I don't even have to tell you this. We all believe these things about Christ. And they are, all six of those were about Jesus. So when he says the faith, I think it's Jude 3 that we defend the faith that was once uh, delivered unto the saints. He's talking about the Christian faith. He's talking about the Christian doctrine, the Christian truth. I think ultimately he's talking about Jesus Christ himself. That you're departing from the truth, the mystery that was revealed about Jesus. You used to be a follower of Jesus, and now you are no longer a follower of Jesus. You used to believe the truth, and, and now you believe lies. You used to believe the doctrines of the faith, and now you don't do it anymore. You used to live it out, and, and now you don't anymore. You've changed directions. You've turned from Christ. The word could actually mean repent. I thought this was interesting. That when you get saved, you repent. Get this. You re and, and, and the Bible's clear on this. You repent. You, 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 you were here, and you repent, the Bible says. You turn from idols to the living God. That's repentance. You turn from your, your sin to follow Christ. And now here, they're turning from the living God back to idols. They're turning from their new way of life Back to sin. They're repenting in the wrong direction. It's the doctrine that you no longer believe it anymore. Just like some of these people I said. That written link, I've read an article about them this week. They said, I can't, re I, I can't believe in the resurrection anymore. I can't believe in the crucifixion anymore. I can't believe in the, the miracles anymore. I no longer believe the, the Christian doctrine. And it could also be practice. I've seen people that have turned from the faith, not in what they believe, but in how they live. That they could sit here and say, yes, I believe Jesus is God. Yes, I believe that he lived a perfect life. Yes, I believe that he died on the cross. I believe all these things, but I no longer live out those things. So you can apostatize or walk away from the faith in what you believe and in how you live. And there's a lot of people in our area who, who they don't, they don't turn and, and depart from the faith in what they believe. They'll all stay, they still believe, but the way they've departed is in how they live with their feet. Their mind may say the same thing, but their feet live a whole different way. So you can depart either way. You can still profess, but you don't follow. So it's a, a departure from the Christian faith. That you've changed your song in the hymn book to, I have decided to no longer follow Jesus. Though everybody goes with me, I'll go with them too. Again, I, I want to say this. This doesn't mean that they've lost their salvation. 
You cannot go from being saved to no longer saved. You cannot go from being converted to, to unconverted. You cannot go from being regenerated where your heart was stone and now it's flesh and then to go back again. There's no losing your salvation. First John 2 says they go out from us to show that they never were of us. That it never was real to begin with. They're just showing their true colors. They're showing their true stripes. They're showing who they really are. Because the Bible says true faith will last and their faith is not lasting. So they've departed from the faith. So this will happen. That's what he's saying here. There will always be apostates. Everybody's dealt with it. Deuteronomy 13. I don't have time to read it tonight. But you need to go back there and see how God told Moses to deal with people who walked away. Very serious. Jesus dealt with it. You can turn to John 6. I don't have time to go there tonight either. But they call that the massive exodus. When, when Jesus had multitudes of, he called them disciples who decided to no longer walk with him. They were following him for the, for the food and for the, for the miracles. And then when he taught them things, they said, hey, we're out. We can't handle this. And they no longer walked with Jesus. Jesus had Judas, didn't he? Judas seemed to be a follower, seemed to believe all the truths, hung out with Jesus, done everything, even was, was uh, uh, given a, a, a place of service with Jesus in the, in, the, in the twelve. And then he repented from Jesus and decided to no longer follow him. Paul dealt with it. Peter dealt with it. You walk through the New Testament and everybody's dealing with it. This is a reality in, in the church and we're all going to have to deal with it. Again, we will see people do this, but we better make sure that we're not one of the people doing it. If I stand up here one day and renounce my faith and say, no, I'm no longer following this, then you don't say he lost his salvation. You say Josh never had it to begin with. He was faking the whole time. And this will get worse. Matthew 24 again says there's going to be a great walking away. It should not surprise us, but I tell you, it should sadden us every time it happens. It ought to break our hearts. It shouldn't be, uh, told you they, they wasn't real. <laughs> it should bring tears to our eyes. It should shatter our hearts anytime we have people walking away. And we have seen more people walk away, and I'm not talking about our church locally, but from churches in America through COVID than any other time in history. A massive falling away taking place right now in the church. Proving the wheat from the tares. The ones with the oil from the ones who didn't have the oil. So it's certain. This is going to happen. Number two, I want to show you it's not just the certainty of it. I want to show you the cause of it. Because now you say, how does it happen? And that's the big question. I would love to sit down with a with an apostate and you, you can't do it. I mean, you sit down with somebody who's walked away and do a little interview and then have a little Q&A with them and say, maybe we can get Brandon up here to do a Q&A with an apostate. And you can sit down and say, how did it happen? Was it, was it a gradual thing where you just a, a step by step and you, you slowly started to, to not believe it anymore? What, what, what was it? Was it, was it somebody? Was it something? What happened to, to cause you to walk away? Or you can sit down with a, a college kid who went off to college and came back and said, I don't believe that stuff anymore. What happened? Who was it? Show us the cause so that we can correct it and it doesn't happen anymore, right? 
So Paul here gives us the cause. Here's how it happens. And I think we'll be surprised by how, what, what happens. Watch this. I didn't see this coming. He says, here's what happens. And I, I love this. I, I've got a mark there, departing from the faith. And now it tells us, here's what happened to them. First thing that happened, you can almost do it in steps. First thing is they give heed to. You see that? They give heed to. I love that phrase. It explains so much and gives us such a warning on what not to do. So that we don't let this happen to us. Don't give heed to. What's this? The words give heed to means to don't be exposed to. Don't be paying attention to. Don't expose yourself or your family to. That's what the, when you give heed to something, you're paying attention to something. It's like you're, you're flipping uh, channels on the TV and, and all of a sudden you stop there and you're going to pay attention to what's on the screen. You're giving heed to that, whether it's just for a few seconds or a few minutes or it's 20 episodes that you're going to binge watch for, for two days. Where'd the day go? <laughs> you're giving heed to it. Here's how it starts, that you give heed to something. You pay attention to something. You expose yourself to something. You let your eyes wander onto something. You let your, your mind start thinking things that it shouldn't think. You go from paying attention to it, to receiving it, to devoting yourself to it. So dangerous what you expose yourself and your family to. This should be repeated throughout the sermon. Don't let your family be exposed to bad teaching. Don't let your mind be corrupted by false teaching. Don't you dare send your kids to a church where the, the teaching is even a little bit questionable. They got good kids' ministries. I, I can put up with a, a little bit of heresy if, if, as long as my kids are happy downstairs. Don't you dare say that. A little bit of giving heed to false teaching may turn into apostasy. Paying attention will turn into Walking away. So what did they pay attention to? You see this? Watch. What did they pay attention to? Two things here. First, they paid attention to... <laughs> I'm going to start with the doctrines of demons. Or the doctrines of devils. <sighs> Paul calls it what it is. Paul's not petting anybody, you know. It's just a little bit of false teaching. <laughs> It'll be okay. Paul jumps right into it. He's not worried about the, the feelings of false teachers or those who uh, pay attention to false teachers. He says this is doctrines of demons. This is devil stuff. False teaching isn't harmless. False teaching is demonic. We're not dealing with flesh and blood here. We're dealing with principalities of the powers of the air. Understand that. We're not dealing with. So what pulls our kids away, what pulls people away in the church isn't professors at the college. It, it isn't an enlightenment. It isn't some author they read in a book. It, it, it isn't a boyfriend that they started dating and he's going to a, a heretical church. It's not the culture. It's not colleges. We're dealing with spiritual wickedness. Man isn't smart enough to come up with this stuff. It's demonic. It comes from the devil. Who will pull you away? The devil. I've seen people walk away 
because they, they wanted to leave their wife and, and, and marry somebody else. Who told you to do that? Do you think it was, you think it was a girl? Do you think it was, it was a friend who advised you to do that? Or do you think it's, it's the devil saying, it's okay if you do that. This is doctrines of, of demons. Amen. Who tells you church isn't important and you don't have to be there? Not me. God wouldn't tell you that. But there's so many saying, oh, you, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. That's a doctrine of the demons. It's demonic. And what are these doctrines of demons doing? Look what it says. You said, Josh, it's just so simple. It's not that bad. Don't call it doctrines of demons. Let me show you what theirs is. It says, but then it says seducing spirits. These demons are evangelistic. I, I like this because it, it says the spirit speaks expressly, expressly, and it has the, the demons are seducing spirits. So it's, it's like the Holy Spirit, which we talked about this morning, is opening our eyes to the truth and, and drawing us to Christ and showing us how wonderful Jesus is. And, and that's the spirit working in our lives. And then on the other hand, it's like we're playing tug of war. The Holy Spirit is, is drawing and converting and changing and making holy. But on the other hand, you've got demons who are pulling on the opposite end do you understand that that within the church today there are on one hand pulling one side and seducing spirits luring on the other side it's a spiritual battle and it's not i want to say this it's not really for the flesh it's not don't do this or do this that that can be that primarily it's believe this or believe this. We're dealing with truth on one hand and lies on the other hand. We're dealing with true doctrine on one hand and false doctrine on the other hand. And these demons are pulling on one side, believe like we want you to believe, and the Spirit of God is pulling on the other side, opening our eyes to the real truth on the other hand. That's what we got going on. There's a battle being waged right now for the souls of our children. Pulling at our kids. We have to preach the truth stronger than we ever have before. I'm not going to quit pulling. You guys want me to quit pulling? No way. We let up and say, oh, we're just going to let our kids believe whatever they want to believe and do whatever they want to do. You're giving up. Satan doesn't quit pulling. We can't quit preaching. These seducing spirits are luring, drawing, influencing. Oh, there's... What an... I pray every day that God would protect my kids from evil influences. Be careful who you let your kids around. We just said that, giving heed to. Be careful who you let your kids listen to. Be careful who you let your kids date. It could easily be a doctrine of, of the devil coming from a new boyfriend. Some old Mormon comes up and says, I want to date your daughter. <laughs> Pray for somebody like that. Pray for me, that I, how I respond if that ever happens. Satan's doing everything he can to get our, us and our kids. Matthew 24 said that he even deceiving the very elect if he could. If he could, he's trying to get every single one of us. He can't get the elect, can he? If he could, it's, that means he can't. But there are those who can be gotten 
Not the elect. Not truly saved. And he's pulling those away. You say, oh, it's not that big a deal. Well, the devil's pretty good at this. If he can get a third of the angels to leave heaven, he can get some people in the church. If he can get Eve, isn't that what he was doing in, 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 even in heaven when he was saying, okay, come with me. I'm rebelling. I'm, I'm falling. How did he get one third of the angels to go with him? He's a seducing spirit. How did he get Eve? Eve in a perfect, perfect paradise. Everything she had ever won but one tree. And he was able to convince her and pull her away. And then to convince Adam. And when he pulled Eve away and he pulled Adam away, he brought the rest of humanity with him. And now we have to have the Holy Spirit to pull us back. And the devil will never let up. So we better not get caught with our guard down. He will keep seducing and using the doctrines of demons. It shows the battle we're in. Again, not with man, but with wickedness in high places. Again, I don't think it's necessarily for the sins of the flesh what we do. It can be that. Trying to get you to, to I think before he got Eve to, to get this. Just, just me, me thinking. Before he got Eve to act. He got Eve to believe. Before Eve acted and sinned, she had a false thought about who God was. It's always for the mind. We've gone completely the opposite of that. We've got to get our children's minds. We've got to teach them. They've got to know some things. The truth will always win against error. They need to know the truth. And not just our children, but you and the church. I know I preach for an hour and I preach three, four, five times a week. And it's constant theology and constant doctrine. And it's all these things thrown at you. Because I want to enable you to fight against the lies of the devil and the doctrines of demons by knowing the doctrines of Christ. It's a battle for your mind. You know that in our culture today. They're trying to get our minds. Telling us lies. We must know the truth. So be on guard. Watch it. It happens. Family members in your circle sits around your table and embraces some weird view of God. And they start trying to get you guard your mind. Know who God is. I said that kids date somebody. I've seen it happen so many times that a kid who's faithful in church and all of a sudden they're... Who are they dating? Some kid in a cult. <laughs> some kid from the, the Mormon church. Some kid from the Jehovah's Witnesses. Some kid who, who doesn't believe in the Trinity. Some kid who, who baptizes in, in Jesus' name only. That doesn't believe that, that it's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're just going to let our kid go off with that. And who knows what they're going to come back as. They're going to come back as a, a heretic. We must be vigilant. The children, our children are in danger. The church is in danger. And we've got to be on guard. You say, what do we look out for? He gives us that. I've got to hurry. We've got a business meeting to get to. <laughs> look what it says. What to look out for. He, he describes it. Here's what, what's going on there. It's seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And who's the one doing it? It's a, the source is supernatural. It's demonic. But the means, 
is natural. I want to I get this. The, the source of our battle is supernatural. You've got demons pulling one side and, and the Holy Spirit on the other. And the Holy Spirit uses means to do that, which would be preachers who stand up and teach the truth. He uses means. And on the other hand, it's not just the demons that are doing it. The demon has his own agents that he's using to pull on the other side. And who are these people? He calls them lying hypocrites. (laughs) Paul doesn't pull any punches. He he said they're they're speaking lies and hypocrisy. It's, It's double lie is what it is. It's hypocritical lie spreaders is what this would mean. These people who are deceivers, they lie and tell you lies. But not only do they lie, but they live a lie. Get this, I'm moving on. But these people who are doing this are smart, well-versed. They will not come up in your church and announce that they are a false teacher. They will not come into your church. They will not get on your Facebook feed and you'll see a church. You'll say, oh, I want to stop there. Oh, I want to stop there. And they won't get up behind the pulpit and with a, with a red suit on and a tail and a pitchfork with horns on their head and say, hey, I'm a false teacher. Listen to me. That's not how it works. It'd be easy that way. No. They'll stand in the church. They'll carry a Bible and they'll look the part. They'll post on Facebook, they'll knock on your door, and they'll be as nice as they possibly can. And you're going to look at them and say, I just like that guy so much. He's so nice. He smiles all the time. Preacher, you don't know. I wish you wouldn't be so mean about it. He's such a nice guy. I don't care how nice he is if he's lying to you and teaching you doctrines of demons. Facebook is a wonderful thing. When you use it for the right purposes. I love that it lets us reach thousands of people a week. But it's also a curse in that it lets other false teachers reach thousands of people a week. Be very careful who you listen to. These people look the part. These people sound the part. These people are hypocrites. They wear a mask. And I don't mean a COVID mask. They wear a mask of I'm the real deal. They're hypocrites. So nice, but the Bible says that it's that they will come as an angel of light. The Bible says they'll come as wolf in sheep's clothes. I don't care how nice they are. You've got to listen to what they say. You've got to know the difference between a lie and the truth. You've got to know the difference between who God is in the Bible and who they say God is. And it says when they do that, I've got to add this and we'll move on. You say, how can somebody stand up and speak lies like that and be a hypocrite? Here's how. Their conscience is seared with a hot iron. You say, what does that mean? It means they don't feel, they don't care, and they're indifferent to it all. It's like you burn your skin long enough, it no longer has any feeling. They have seared their conscience so long, over and over and over, that there's no feeling there whatsoever. I'll say it this way. There's no tug from the Holy Spirit anymore. There's no conscience saying that's wrong. They have completely given themselves over to doing the work of the devil. And this is everywhere. There's demonic, seducing, false teachers everywhere you turn. And they're pulling people out of the church left and right. 
And they don't even have to stand up in front of a church and do it. They don't have to stand behind a pulpit. They don't have to dress the part. You know what? They can just be a friend in your home that says, you, you don't have to believe that stuff. Your preacher's crazy. You know, you're talking like the devil. That, the, the Bible isn't true. Talking like the devil. You don't have to live like that. Talking like the devil. Could be a family member. Could be a husband. Could be a wife. Could be your kids coming back from college saying, let me tell you what my professor said. He says all that stuff is nonsense. And you're sitting there saying, you know what? I think it might be devil stuff. Pulling people away all the time. So that's the cause. Right there it is. Now I want to give you the correction. And we'll, we'll stop there. Because he says here, here's a correction for them. The Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some will depart from the faith by giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, by listening to those who speak lies and hypocrisy and those who have their conscience seared with a hot iron. Verse 3, he tells us what they're teaching. And you would expect right here, here's the problem. Verse 3 is, is the, the doctrine of demons that's being taught in the church at Ephesus. You would think that he'd say right here, they're teaching that Jesus isn't God. They're teaching that, that uh, you know, that there's no trinity. They're, they're teaching that Jesus didn't die on the cross. They're teaching all these, these strange doctrines that, that are of the devil. What is it? <laughs> that you shouldn't get married and you shouldn't eat meat. That's what was being taught. You say, no. What kind of religion is that? I'd never follow that. <laughs> I love meat and I love being married. That would never happen. It's not happening in our church, is it? Nobody likes to eat meat uh, like we do. We were across from KFC. Nobody likes to get married and have kids like we do. We got kids everywhere. Everybody getting married left and right. You say, what, what is it? What's he talking here? That's not a primary doctrine. That's not a heel to die on. What is this? Why is he t- making such a big deal out of somebody standing up and saying, you shouldn't get married and you shouldn't eat meat? Well, shouldn't we just all get along on that one? False teaching always starts in a subtle way. I said he's not going to get up here in a, or she's not going to get up in a red suit and say, I'm of the devil. Jesus isn't God. Everybody in here would say, I ain't listening to that. The devil's got to get his foot in the door somehow. So he starts here. He's always looking for a small opening. It never starts big. He starts small. It's amazing how false teachers will start with the smallest of things. Just to get their foot in the door, to make you question, to make you doubt, to, to make you say, ah, yeah, it might be right. Like, like, like Catholicism. You know what, you know what they say to their priests? You can't get married. You know what Mormons say? You can't drink caffeine. I'm out. Out. They're just small little things. Trying to get their foot in the door. I mean, they'll come knocking on your door, and it's just a, a little bitty thing here and a little bitty thing there. And, and, and what he said, they're, they're trying to tell you you can't do something that God says it's okay for you to do. Normal human behaviors that they say you're not allowed to do start so small and become something huge. Trying to tell you what you can't do. We're trying to tell you you can do anything you want to do. It's usually how it starts. They'll start by telling you the things you can't do, and that usually leads to you can do whatever you want to do. It's a big deal. 
it'll lead to worse. If you forbid what God allows, it won't be long until you allow what God forbids. It's a slippery slope. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, we've somehow got a hold of the idea that error is only that which is outrageously wrong. We do not seem to understand that the most dangerous person of all is the one who does not emphasize the right things. What they've done here is they've pulled their attention from Christ by focusing their attention on the things that I do. They're emphasizing and focusing on the wrong thing. Instead of talking about Jesus and, 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 the, and the things in verse 16, that he was manifest in the flesh and he was justified by the Spirit and he was seen of the angels and he was preached unto the Gentiles and he was believed in the world and he was received up into glory. Those are the things that we should be preaching and those are the things that we should be teaching and they're sitting over here and their far focus should be on Christ and they're saying, no, it should be on you, on what you eat and who you marry. It's, it's all about you. And they're just pulling our attention away from Christ by getting us to focus on my favorite person, me. So dangerous. So he corrects it here. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. This is just, this is just easy. They tell you not to get married. They tell you not to eat meat. And he says, God created it to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. If you know the truth and you believe, it's, it's no problem at all. God created marriage. It's good. Get married. I tell people that all the time. Get married. It's a good thing. I wish I got married at a younger age so I could enjoy marriage with Steph even longer. Marriage is a great thing. Good. Meets. It's a great thing. Leave here tonight. Go and get you a burger and eat it for the glory of God. God made it. It's good. Pray over it. Eat it. Look what he says. For every creature of God is good. Don't refuse any burger. Or any steak. Or any barbecue. <laughs> eat it and be thankful. That's what it says. I mean, it's as clear as it can be. Get married. Eat meat. For it's sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Enjoy both to the glory of God. I might get me a hamburger when I leave here. And sit down and watch the end of the ball game with my wife. And enjoy both of them. It's good. That's what it says. It's good. Don't you dare keep from doing something that God said it's okay to do. That's legalism. And there's churches all over America that do that. They're trying to tell you, you can't do something that God said it's okay to do. There's other churches that's trying to tell you that you can do what God said you shouldn't do. You've got to be careful with both of them. Well, you say, okay, Josh, it's, it's time to stop. You, you've done enough. <laughs> it's time for that hamburger. I bought a smoker just so I could eat more meat. <laughs> you say, well, what's this got to do with us? I think it's simple. I know, I know we're not tempted to not marry. That, that's silly. I know we're not tempted to stop eating meat. You know, we're all eating meat and getting married and having kids. We do this. So that's, you say, well, that doesn't apply to us. But you know there's certain temptations that are pulling at us. It may not be meat and marriage. There's things that are pulling and luring and seducing Christians every single week. Things that you don't expect, things that you don't watch out for. 
And it may not be meat and it may not be marriage, but it may be something very, 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 very simple that you're not watching out for. And what it's doing is it's pulling your attention away from Jesus. You've got to be careful with that. Because one little pulling your, way, your attention away from Christ is pulling your attention away and, and possibly walking away. Whatever gets your attention. I can say that individually. How many things have gotten the attention of the church? Christians. I was talking to somebody the other day that going through seasons of life and they've gotten busy and they're getting pulled away. It's taking their attention. And it won't be long before if they don't get pulled back, they could be walking away. How many Christians have you seen get their attention away from Christ and eventually walk away? Something so small got them. Something as small as a baseball team or a basketball team. I've seen people get pulled away by just having kids. Ah, the kid pulled my attention. You say, the kid's, the kid's not bad. I know, but if it takes your attention away from Christ, it, be careful. And you know the church can get its, its attention pulled away? I believe we're living in a time when the American church is getting its attention pulled away by a hundred different things. You've got one church that's, that's pulling for, for liberalism, <laughs> And you got another church that's, that's, that's pulling for, uh, uh, you know, uh, pro-Trump America. I mean, you're, you're just pulling in all these different directions. You got, you got churches doing the social agenda and the, the critical race theory and, and, and you got some churches that are doing the, the social justice warrior movement and, and all these different things that are fighting the race war and, and pulling and pulling. And what the churches ought to be doing is opening a Bible and preaching Jesus Christ. Don't get your attention pulled. The church is getting pulled away by seducing and luring doctrines of demons. I couldn't possibly name all the things it's pulling away. So what do we do? How do we stop this? I'll give you a couple things and I'll, I'll close. I think Paul's going to give him a, a solution to this in verse 6. If you put... If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus. And he's going to go into a, a long section here of what he ought to be doing. Words of faith, good doctrine, we'll talk about that. Refuse profane and old wise fables. Exercise yourself into godliness, all these things. He's going to go into that. So I don't have time to do that tonight, but I want, I want to give you something to take home with you. Here's what we can do to stop the, the lure, the seducing of doctrines of demons. Number one, you can know your Bible. Read it, study it, know it, believe it. The more you know your Bible, the less you'll be pulled away. We need to, to raise a literate generation of people who know their Bibles. We have right now an illiterate biblical in biblical things in a generation. And they are being pulled by everything. So know your Bible, study your Bible, believe your Bible, listen to the Bible being taught by faithful teachers. Know your Bible. You may not know it, but an hour-long sermon is good for you. The more you know it, the more you'll be able to tell the lies from the truth. Number two, go to a church that preaches the Bible. This is simple. Know your Bible, go to a church that preaches the Bible. Don't go to a church that has weak teaching. I'm just, I'm just being honest. Beware of weak teaching. 
sit under biblical teaching. Be in a biblical church. One that preaches the truth and will unmask error. The the most trouble I get myself into is when I start unmasking the errors of our day. I'm going to let you know the things that are going to pull your attention. Life is too short to sit under bad preaching. And I'll add this, eternity is too long to sit under bad teaching. Parents come and tell me, well, what, what, what advice would you give me? I'm a new parent. Find the most biblical church that you can find and plant yourself there for the rest of your life. Where they're getting taught the truth in Sunday school. They're getting taught the truth every week, two or three times a week from the pulpit. They're seeing it lived out faithfully amongst the people. The best thing you can do for your children is have them in a biblical church. So know your Bible. Go to a church that preaches the Bible. And watch out for yourself. Watch out for your kids. Watch out for your family. Watch out for your church. Because there's an army of demons that has enlisted an army of false teachers who is after us to get us to believe the lies and to turn from God. You better, better be on guard. I'm going to say that again. This is just the truth of the passage. There's an army of demons that has enlisted an army of false teachers who is after us, after our children, after our church, to get us to believe lies and to turn from our God. Don't you ever let your guard down. Let me read you a passage and I'll close. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says, you see that? Must be important, huh? As the Holy Ghost saith, today if you'll hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the day of provocation and the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter in my rest. Verse 12, take heed, brethren. Pay attention, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. See that? Verse 13, but exhort one another daily. Constantly. God using us to pull people back. We need to live our lives as a church. It's one of the great things about being a church family is that when we see people getting pulled one way, we have to get a hold of them and pull them back the other way. Exhort one another daily. While it's called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. There's that conscious seared with a hot iron, the hardening of it. For if we, we, we are made partakers of Christ, we, if we hold on the beginning of our confidence steadfast all the way to the end, while it is said today, if you'll hear his voice, don't harden your heart to it, as in the day of provocation. Don't you ever let your guard down. For you, for your family, and for your church. That's how we guard from walking away from the faith. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word, even for the warnings of your word. I know this was a tough passage to preach tonight. Uh, This is something I've not heard before. 
I spent a lot of time, a lot of time studying this this week. Um, and I pray, God, that it was, it was edifying for me. It helped me to understand some things. And I pray it was helpful for the people in this church to understand some things. And I pray that you'll use this, God, uh, not only tonight, but in the future, that we would use this passage, that it would be on our minds any time we started to slowly, gradually slip away. That we would pull others back and we pull ourselves back. And I pray, God, that you'd watch over us and protect us. If we're in a spiritual war, the only help we have is in you. So God help us. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.